Okay, welcome back, everybody, to our second uh, part in this journey through the Guide to the Marinavuchim. In the first part, we looked at the opening letter, which kind of gave us a basic, rough sense of where the guide is going. Now we go to the Psicha, the actual official introduction, really is an introduction to the first of the three parts of the guide. And he introduced it with three Psukim. And you should know there's different commentaries on the guide. There's a uh, commentary of, of Rav Fodi, of Shem Tov. These were relatively short-lived, shortly after the Rambam, I think their lives overlapped largely with him. The Babanel also has a commentary and each one gives different interpretations. Um, the first Pasuk says, This is a from Tehillim, Kufmem Gimuchas. You should show me or let me know the way, this way that I should walk because to you I've lifted up my soul. So it, presumably the meaning of this Pasuk, there's some discussion about it, funnily enough, is this is exactly what the Rambam's hoping will happen. That we, we want to be on a journey to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This I think you have to remember all the way through the guide is the thing which is the ultimate purpose. And that's why he keeps putting Hashem, Hashem, Keilolam, this verse over here. Next, he puts another pasuk. Alechem ishim. To you, O men, ekri, call. The koili adam, and my voice goes to other people. Now, ishim, as we'll see, ishim means usually noble people. And it's very likely the Rambam is saying here something he's already kind of said in the letter before, and he's going to say it, we'll see it today. I'm not speaking to everybody. This is something we're calling out to or helping Hashem's voice be conveyed to, um, or, we, or this book itself is calling out to those who have a certain level of development. It is not for everybody to read this work. Finally, as another, a third passage, which also comes from Mishle, this, this passage is uh, from chapter 22. He says, Turn your ear and listen to the words of the wise and um, apply your heart to my knowledge. Right? So this is going to take work, right? So we've got three different things going on over here. One is Hashem should help us walk on this way. Two is that this message is to people who have developed certain things within themselves. And three is that there's going to be an effort required in getting there. I think that's that's probably what these three mean. Either way, Mamaza, this work, Matarosa is shown is the first object of it. And remember, this work here now means the first section of the guide. Bir Inyane Shemas is going to be clarifying the meaning of words. Now, this can get people confused. This is actually not the goal, for, uh, not the final goal of why he's doing it. But what it means is he's going to have many, many chapters. Uh, probably the majority of chapters in the first section of the guide are taking a word and defining what it actually means, where you might think it means something that sounds physical about, about God. Words that are said in the works of prophecies. Amongst these are words that have more than one meaning. And those who are foolish will understand the And people can get confused as to which is the correct meaning applied. So if it says Yad Hashem, the hand of Hashem, they'll, they'll think it means something like this, right? Whereas Yad actually means something else. This is going to be important. We'll see this in the guide. The Rambam is going to tell us he will never use, people often say that Maimonides holds of metaphors. Everything's a metaphor. Actually, Rambam's whole purpose is to prove that you never make an ad hoc metaphor. Never do we just say, oh, let's say the word means something else. Already long before Rambam, long before Maimonides, Unclus, the tar ancient Targum and the ancient translations of the Torah were very, very careful to make sure there's no anthropomorphic, no humanization of God. But the Rambam is going to prove that every time you meet a word that looks like it is, it already has another usage that is not. That's such an important rule to get clear. Okay, either way. Okay, again, 
different types of words where it's different ways you get confused, but it's the same basic principle. Okay, again, different types of terms where for various reasons you can they could have more than one meaning, or you might think they could have more than one meaning, or a lack of clarity about them. And therefore, you could get confused. But the goal is not I'm not trying to teach the masses how to read Hebrew. Nor am I teaching those who are just beginning the journeys into rich, deep thinking. Nor am I even writing this book for people who, even though they might be quite big in the dinim of the Torah, in the halachas of the Torah, in the laws of the Torah, that still is not really what I'm aiming at here in this. Because the goal of everything here, and everything like it, is to know the Torah in MS, in its real reality. Right? So the goal here, um, what's the goal? To take the person who's got some kind of religion, um, who's already fixed in his heart, he's clear the Torah is true. And he's not, he's complete with that. And not only in his mindset is he good, but also his midos, his, his character refinement is good. But he's studied also philosophical works. And he knows about their matters. Together with just natural common sense. And it's, he's gone into this place of Amdu Bufano, He's got the simple meaning of the Torah. Areas he hasn't necessarily understood. Or he's misunderstood one of these words that has more than one meaning. Or, or words that are meant to be an analogies. Right? Words that have different meanings. And he's got confused by them. And he's got this, he's got this kind of real confusion going on. Now, of course, later writers are going to deal with whether it would be ideal to have this philosophical knowledge or not. Famously, the Vilna Gaon said that the Rambam was sometimes pulled after the cursed uh, philosophy. The Rosh later on is going to say how blessed he was that he never got into philosophy. The Rambam himself and many others with him held actually there's a huge plus to having this philosophical knowledge, even though it could lead to confusion. But without it, you can't actually get to the much deeper areas of Torah. Okay, so he's not criticizing the people for having this knowledge, but he's saying, but now they've got this knowledge and they're more very deeply developed in the philosophical or scientific work uh, of the secular studies and not in parallel developed in the Torah. They're going to get really stuck when they meet this clash of, of, um, of what the Torah appears to mean versus what both common sense and philosophical thought and, and logic would tell you. It, it must be true. Okay. Oh, she, uh, um, sorry. They're stuck like this. They feel they're stuck on the horns of dilemmas. Go with their mind and then say what the Torah says is not correct. And then they think, well, that means I'm letting go of the whole of my religion. Or no, go with what Or they say, no, I've got to stick with what the Torah literally says and what I think it literally means, my natural assumptions about what it means. And as a result... I'm now uh, abandoning thought. I just got to jettison my brain and leave it somewhere else. And the person's going to leave themselves to damage the, in their religious 
life. And they'll be left with their imaginary thinking, feeling there's some pain and some lack. But they will not escape the fact that they have to like bifurcate their natural, their brains deep thinking about the world on the one hand and their reading of the Torah on the other hand. What I'm trying to achieve is something else. I'm trying to get this clarity. Ultimately, what I'm trying to achieve is something beyond this, right? That we're trying to also, so in other words, so level one, so purpose number one of what's going to come is to take people who already have sophisticated thought, find that contradictory to their reading of the Torah and show them that it's not a, not a contradiction at all. And I've got another purpose. Right? There's these very, very um, hidden Mashalim uh, analogies. Shenarim b'sifra neviim that the prophets say v'loynis v'loynis parish shem mashal and the prophets when they're doing it do not explain that their words mean something different to what they mean. Now we'll see there's a difference here between what the Torah does, where the Rambam takes it always literally, and what prophets do, because the Rambam is going to tell us that prophets are always being spoken to in code. But appears to the fool, they meant their literal meaning. So here he's going to go non-literal. When it comes specifically to Nevoas, to prophecies, they're going to become very non-literal. But there's no, really, the person will think there's no hidden meaning behind it. Whereas a person really thinks about it, understands them on a simple level, a person will get completely confused by this. When I explain it to you, I just let you realize that it's clearly was intended, the prophet to get it in as an analogy. You at least find the right path. If you're not some Oysa and you'll get out of that trap and confusion and perplexity. That's why I called it now, the Hebrew word Moira Hanavuchim, the guide for the perplexed. So it's the guide for those who have got a certain basis of a secular and sophisticated scientific slash philosophical slash development of the mind. And on the other hand, are reading Psukim in the Torah and Psukim in the in the prophecies. And in the they're getting confused, thinking they have to bifurcate one or the other. And they're also missing the meaning of things the prophets are trying to say. The I'm not going to go through one by one and deal with every single thing. What I'm saying is that is, my principles I'll give you here will by themselves give you the majority of the doubts um, and the worst of them. And Mr. Confused, don't seek from me. And don't place your hope. Not always when I raise an issue am I going to complete it. Or I begin to start talking about one of these analogies that shiny sign that I'm going to finish everything there is to say. It's not even possible. It's not even possible if I was just talking to you face to face. How much more so is it impossible in a book where I can't tell what you're grasping, not grasping, what needs filling or not? Right, I can't. So no way will I be able to cover absolutely everything. So it's not like this is going to be the comprehensive guide to every single problem and solution in these. I've already explained when I wrote the Mishnah Torah that great magnum opus, that amazing. Uh, and he also, by the way, he's, when he says Sifra Alocha, Laws of Alocha, he also means much earlier his Pirsha Mishnah, his commentary to the Mishnah. But specifically, um, Mishnah Torah says, I've already given some basic rules. 
right? So he gave, for example, um, some of the rules he's given in, in Hilchas Yisoyed Torah, the beginning of the laws of foundations of Torah, uh, some bits also in the in the commentary of the mission of Erunal in Yanim Rab. I've also let you know about quite a lot of points. And there, what I wrote is right in the parish of Mishnah on Chagiga and the introduction to all the 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 going into the what's my separations, what's the work of creation, what's the work of the chariot. He has a discussion over there, and also in Hilchos Yisoyed Torah in the laws of the foundations of Torah in the early chapters of the of the Mishnah Torah there as well, um, specifically in the fourth chapter over there. Now. I told about my Tava, the sciences, which is my science, says my separations, understanding the works of creation is very linked to understanding physics. Or my Merkava, hey, locus. And the my Merkava, the work of the chariot, are the divine sciences. And explain, therefore, why you cannot teach the work of the chariot, the inner secrets of the prophets, to one person, unless he's wise and understands himself most in the Rosh Hashanah, then you give hints, which is what the Rambam is going to do, by the way. When he eventually gets there, at the beginning of the third section, he will literally drop a bunch of hints. And then he'll say, and by the way, the whole guide until now has been about this. That's just something, again, be, the guys have you have to go through several times and each time you go through, you realize, oh my goodness, I, now I've got to go back and read the whole thing, thinking, realizing this was the whole goal. So do not seek from me here in this entire work more than the heads of chapters. But if you know some Russian program, even those ain't of Mamazel, if you say they're not going to be in order, Lobritif was not in the natural way to expect them to be positioned. Whereas you take Mishnah Torah, right, where the Rambam has 1,000 chapters covering the entirety of the whole of Jewish law, and everything is precisely where it needs to be. That's not the way you should expect this book to be. They'll be mixed and scattered amongst other topics. Well, I think it needs clarification. Because I want you to grasp the true grasping. So there'll be kind of flashes of clarity and then it's taken away. Now, why does he do this? So we're going to come to a little bit more talk in a minute, uh, probably beyond today, but let's just get to the end of the paragraph and then I'll, I will try to give a little bit of what I think explanation of what he's doing here. Now, we've got to have... Um, Hashem didn't want this stuff revealed to the masses. Right, that's the point. It's Soda Shani of the secrets for those who fear him. Now, um, what he's saying over here, I think, is this. And I think, although it sounds like he hasn't told his method and his reason, is because actually there's tremendous risk as you get closer and closer to grasping Hashem. He will explain why already from the beginning of the guide. And the why is that the human naturally projects himself onto God. And whatever level of deep abstraction we have, we're always prone to do it. When a kid's a child, they may think, uh, you know, of, of, of Hashem as like a, you know, beard, long white beard in the clouds. When they're kind of a bit older, they may think as an energy driving, or the whole of the natural universe is, is all God and pieces of God. When they get more mature and more developed, they'll still have ways of projecting themselves onto God. They may say, why does God do these terrible things? What they really mean is, why is God making things in the world that I don't want to happen? Because surely Hashem should think like me. 
But they may ask questions like, I don't understand why, I get why God cares about don't kill and don't steal, but why do you care about lights on Shabbos? There's also, I care about don't kill and don't steal. I don't care, I don't care about lights, right? So there's so many ways in which we subtly, subtly, subtly do it. You'll see later on the Rambam's going to say you need to use negative. You can only talk about God, what God isn't, not what he is. And so somebody will come along and go, ah, oh, then God has no properties. Nah, that's not right either, right? There's, there's each way of thinking is always a projection of what would it be like me to not be in space or time? What would it be to be like me and nothing you could say positive? And Zoram was going to have to give us little flashes, glimpses, and then take them away. And later explain how we actually can climb a ladder and use these flashes and glimpses to get all the way there. So this is an unbelievably exciting, and every single thing we read in the Rambam is, is, is unbelievably exciting. Um, and, and on that point, having maybe had a little flash of lightning, we're going to have to pause for today and carry on at Mir next time.